0: Welcome to Bible Bashed, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry. We're your hosts, Harrison Carrig and Pastor Tim Mullett, and today we seek to answer the age-old question: Should women who murder their unborn children be drawn and quartered? Part two. Um, now, obviously, this is the the second episode that we're doing on abortion, and uh, like I said last week, I just had a lot more questions that I really wanted to get to and and give them justice, give us time to. Uh, talk through them and and Tim for you to answer a lot of them and not feel rushed or this episode be you know, a four hour long episode. Um, so we're going to uh, continue our discussion on abortion and just talk through um, some more some more areas of discussion about this that we didn't really get to cover. And really, I just wanted to start Tim um, by by clarifying something that we didn't really clarify. In the first episode, we, we kind of alluded to this a, a few different ways, but never really addressed it head on. One of, the, one of the stories that you told as a part of a response to a question I'd asked you was you, you'd brought up a story about a young girl who I think was uh, maybe 13, maybe 14, who was going with her mom uh, to go get an abortion at an abortion clinic. And you told a story about how you know you told her mom that she didn't love her, and they went away, and they didn't go in that day. And um, one of the conclusions we came to in that first episode was that while no women don't need to be drawn and quartered uh, for getting an abortion, they do need to face capital punishment, meaning you know death, a death sentence from the government. Um, Now, in light of that uh, idea knowing that there are people out there who are as young as, you know, 13, probably 12, maybe even 11 um, who are either thinking about, they get into a situation where they're pregnant and uh, they're either thinking about getting abortion or they're being pressured to get an abortion. Um, Does that mean that uh, these young girls who are doing the same exact act um, that that the adults are doing, who we are saying do deserve the death penalty, are we, are we saying that girls that are that young also are equally deserving of the same penalty?
1: I think uh, the answer to that question is a little bit complicated by the fact that it seems like the vast majority of states are going to require some sort of parental involvement as it relates to minors in general. So when we talk about, you know, a woman getting an abortion, one of the things to be clear about uh, when when we're talking about a woman getting an abortion, should she be drawn and quartered? The the topic of of that is, you know, the answers that are given are related to essentially an adult woman. That's the person that that has in mind now Uh, in general. You know, the vast majority of women getting abortions, anyways, are going to be adult women. Um, that scenario of the thirteen-year-old girl is a scenario that happens, but it's not necessarily a a, a very likely, or it's not um, a very frequent situation. But it, I mean, that kind of thing can happen. Uh, but but often in these kind of discussions, it's you know that kind of girl who's been you know raped raped by a family member or something like that that's brought forward as the ultimate uh, you can't punish woman kind of card. Uh, As far as that goes, but then we think about the statistics in general uh, in in the U.S., about 50 percent of U.S. women obtaining abortion are younger than 25 percent. And then um, about 33 percent of all abortions make up uh, are made up of women from 20 to 24 uh, years old. And then teenagers are about 17%, so there's a pretty wide range on the teenager one. But that scenario can happen, but then we're, uh, when we're talking about capital punishment, we are talking about uh, for adults. Now, I think um, the situation of a teenager is a bit complicated because uh, we, we, we do happen to live in the kind of society that is advancing the age of adulthood in, in somewhat of an arbitrary uh, way. Um, to be higher and higher and higher, and so we don't really consider um, people to be adults until the age of 18. But then, uh, you know, you have to be 21 years old to drink. And uh, <laughs> per, I can't what, what is the laws related to tobacco? Is it the same 21 I, or is it um,
0: 18? I, I, I'm pretty sure tobacco is 18, but it, it might not be. I might be wrong on that.
1: Well, many many a person has pointed out the absurdity of uh, of an eighteen year old being able to go fight for his country, but not be able to uh, purchase alcohol. As far as that goes, mm-hmm. and so we have uh, some strange you know laws related to um, the the age of an adult. Now, I mean, for the Jews, um, the Jews thought that, and there's no you know age of adulthood in the Bible uh, per se, but there are some passages that are related to this. But the Jews thought that essentially um, you know. Uh, a son or a daughter who reached the age of thirteen, they have their bar mitzvah or their bat mitzvah, uh, and, and they are legally uh, at that point considered a son or daughter of the Torah. So their age of adulthood was much younger than we have today. And and I think one of the things that's happened is you know adulthood is being delayed in terms of just practice and in terms of just um, our own perspective of things that we infantilize people for a great number of years, but then it's one of those things that when, when you have like someone like Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse, um, going and, um, situations that happened with, with that, uh, he's being tried as an adult because I think he was 17 years old at the time. And so we, you know, there are certain situations that can happen where we think that, um, even if someone's not a legal adult, they're morally capable and conscious, as far as that goes. And so, I, th- I think we have a fairly complicated system of, and um, uh, in- our country related to a great variety of things. And so, I wouldn't want to say, in some simplistic way, in all scenarios, that any woman who ever gets an abortion for any reason should be, um, you know, the subject of capital punishment. However, um, uh, and-, and I'm thinking of just young women. Uh, who are um, young women who are very young, you know, that kind of thing, barely past the age of puberty, who are in some sense being forced to get an abortion. Um, Now, there's always moral agency that's going to kick in at a certain point anyways, uh, and I'm not trying to say that I, a woman who's 13 years old, whose parents tell her that if she doesn't get the abortion, that uh, she's going to be kicked out of her house, without any recourse or anything else, and they're taking her to it, taking her to go get it, and threatened with all sorts of threats. I'm not trying to say that um, she, that kind of person in that kind of situation is not capable of making a moral choice. But whatever's happening, it's it, it's um, there is some issues of. Coercion that's uh, um, involved in that kind of scenario, and that's a little bit more complicated than twenty-year-old person who is um, going of their own accord to get an abortion kind of scenario. So I, I think there's a there's uh, there's no simplistic answer to that kind of question about how young a person should be. But I, I would say that um, the you know biblically speaking, if if you're going to say, hey, when does a person become a murderer? Well, a person becomes a murderer when they um, when they have some intention to kill the baby inside of them. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that didn't even uh, require that they understand the baby to be a human, if that makes sense.
0: What do you mean? It, what do you mean?
1: Well, uh, well I mean, um, you know, just to give some sort of scenario that might be helpful. Uh, I mean, the Jews didn't consider – or the Germans didn't consider the Jews to be people. Right. (laughs) And they exterminated them, or, you know, there's, uh, you know, white people during uh, certain parts of our history didn't consider, uh, based on evolutionary assumptions, black people to be uh, human, or they considered them to be some sort of subhuman race, as far as that goes. But just because you might be fully convinced that a particular class of people is subhuman or nonhuman does not make the uh, act itself. not murder, right? So it doesn't totally re- resolve around your understanding of what's happening in the moment. As far as that goes, it's, it, but it does, uh, the, you know, a definition of murder does include intentionality there as, as distinct from, you know, homicide. So I, I think it's complicated. I think, you know, you, one of the things that you don't do is you don't ever apply capital punishment and retroactively, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the, the law is meant to be a curb towards, uh, immorality and a good, um, scenario to think through here uh would be the issue of cain so cain commits the first murder and he's not put to death right mm-hmm. but uh he is not put to death because there's no law that formally that you know put a punishment forward as far as that goes uh but then uh shortly you know in the uh in the narrative you have a capital punishment kind of thing that is put forward you know whoever kills cain will be um, the vengeance will be taken upon him sevenfold Right. So uh, apart from the law there, you don't you don't apply it retroactively. But once the law is set down, then everyone's held accountable to that. And so I, I would be in favor of, you know, having a law that's put down um that, you know, would be younger than eighteen for sure. You know, women are more than capable of making that kind of moral decision before the age of eighteen. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, it's like an absolute, you know, indictment on our society and <laughs> on us. Uh, now, I mean, I think from a biblical speaking, when a person becomes um, is you know when a person should be considered an adult is a lot lower than what we think. Right. So, uh, God God sees uh, Israel pictured in in the old covenant as a uh, young woman who's in the desert and basically naked and and God comes and, you know, cleans her up and gives her some clothes and all that. But it says, Behold, she was at the time of love, essentially, and it says her breasts were formed. And basically like that what that's saying is that, you know, from God's perspective, like women when they go through puberty, they're at the time of love, meaning they're at the age they're ready to be married. So the Bible's perspective of what an adult is is a lot sooner than what we are. And I mean, I can just think back from my own experience and know that I had significantly more moral awareness uh, at, you know, during my teen years and even young teen years than what people think is possible, you mm-hmm. know, if they're a fair bit naive as far as that goes. And so I, you know, I wouldn't be in favor of, you know, applying some retroactive law that wouldn't go backwards and, you know, take care of all the murders that have happened at this point. But I would, being in favor of capital punishment going forward that was, you know, um, uh, going to be enforced um, in a society that is um, um, for, for people a lot younger than 18, you know, when it comes down to it. But it's not the kind of thing that you can do overnight by any means. You have to get – there's some time to get there as far as it goes.
0: Yeah, it seems like the question is really complicated overall, especially – When you think about kind of on the other end of the spectrum, you know, abortion at this point is such a um, I don't want to say popular. That's not necessarily the right word, but such a well-known thing in our society that that really I wouldn't even be that surprised if people, especially girls who are much younger, understand what an abortion actually is or, or at least, you know why there's such controversy around abortion than they would have maybe 20 years ago. Right. And so, um, so it, it seems hard to, on the other end of the spectrum, maybe say that, uh, they would just absolutely have no idea at the age of 13, what an abortion was just because it's so prevalent in our society. And it's kind of hard to avoid that topic. Um, now that
1: yeah, that yeah I think I think that would be um, you know I think it's like a different like if you're dealing with some kind of scenario where you know the um, the child doesn't even know what pre- you know you have some really young girl who was raped by their father and
0: mm-hmm. you know the
1: parents are hush hush about it you know something like that and then they're like um, they they get her to you know, take a pregnancy test. She doesn't even know what a pregnancy test is at that point in her life or something like that. And the test comes back positive, just like they suspected because, you know, she started throwing up in the morning shortly after that and that kind of thing. So they got to take the test and then, you know, they bring her over to the clinic and it's pretty hush hush. They have some sort of agreement worked out where she's not going to be told about anything and that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, they, um, you know, do some sort of procedure, uh, without her really having much knowledge about it, I, I, obviously in that kind of scenario, she doesn't even know what's happening. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> and she's not given the information she needs to make some sort of moral uh, decision. But as you said, I mean, I think we're living in the kind of society right now where that kind of scenario like that is the, it's the kind of scenario that everyone puts forward as if it's like just what you're, when you're talking about criminalizing abortion, that's what you're talking about. But it's just like mm-hmm. that's almost a very difficult situation to even know you know and and when I was looking at that girl who was like probably 13 or 14 going in there I was looking at someone who seemed to have some sort of awareness about what was happening right as far as I could you know speculate from a distance I mean I could be wrong on that but uh that you know you do pick up on body language and things like that but I think yeah in this kind of time, and particularly where, you know, you have some sort of requirement that uh, an ultrasound happens and that kind of stuff, and um, I, I think there's a lot more awareness than that kind of, you know, scenario I'm describing mm-hmm. anyways, in the vast majority of situations, I'm sure, but yeah. anyways.
0: So, I guess kind of following a, a similar vein to some of the things you had in that response, you talked a lot about um, basically... I think a lot of people, especially uh, on the left, who are very much pro-abortion, they like to pretend that um, there's a lot of a lot of really morally justifiable reasons for abortion, and primarily, I think they're kind of things that they try to use to emotionally manipulate people um, and and kind of make people out to look uh, almost like some kind of you know, super villain or something like, like, oh, how could you ever, you know, push this on anyone? You know, they, they use examples like, like you had said, you know, the father, the father, uh, rapes the daughter, right? And then she, it turns out she gets pregnant, um, which is obviously a, a horrific, um, thing to ever have to go, for anyone to ever have to go through. Um, but then oftentimes, the The tactic is to take instances like that and pretend that that is what happens the majority of the time, and that's why the majority of abortions happen. And I don't have the statistics in front of me right now, but I know that um, statistically those types of things are very, very low. Well, rape
1: and incest are like less than a percent based right. on what's reported.
0: Right. And so to They try- also
1: say things like, you know, uh, Planned Parenthood provides like all sorts of other, you know, family planning services besides abortions, but, you know, it's, abortions are 90,
0: 94% of what they do. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they have to put you're out. you're against
1: their... women's health care, you know, it's <laughs> like, ah, uh, uh, this is 94% I, I, abortion, I, you know.
0: <laughs> they, I remember they put out a, a, a graphic maybe at the beginning of um, last year, 20, 2020, and, um, you know, <laughs> it, I was just looking at the number of, you know, um of like essentially, you know, prenatal health care that they had that they had given um to patients who had been coming in for that type of thing. And uh and then you know, you compare that to the number of abortions they perform and it's not even close. It, I mean it's not All even right. close. So so if your if your argument is from you know this type of position, you're basically just living in a pretend world, uh, or or you're being incredibly dishonest on purpose. But I just want to kind of give some time uh, because I know that people will have those objections. Uh, so dedicate some time to addressing those things. So uh, I guess where we'll start first is just you know, is there one of the most common ones I hear now is um, is hey look some people aren't ready to have kids and and not, not necessarily meaning, Hey, I'm not, you know, mentally ready. I'm not emotionally ready, whatever they're, they're primarily meaning financially. I'm not financially ready, um, to have a child. And so I got an abortion instead. And for you to deny me that right to get an abortion, um, is to, you know, deny my my healthcare options as a woman. So, so what do you think? You know, according to scripture, do you think that there can be made allowances for the person who's saying, "Hey, look, I'm not financially ready. I can't take on uh, this child. So, it should be legal and it should be morally right for me to kill this baby before it's born."
1: Yeah, I man. I think you know at every single point, all these words are being used in... <laughs> in ways that are doing violence to their very meaning so you know it's uh, an attack on my health as a woman to not allow me to kill a child because I'm not financially ready well you know what like typically you know this is a, this you, you consider this a healthcare issue and now we're talking about mental health or you know, emotional health or whatever else—we're just doing violence to words. <laughs> as far as that goes, <laughs> I need a you know. safe
0: space for my language.
1: <laughs> right. So we're living in a bizarro world there, where words just mean the opposite of what they normally mean. But um, yeah, I think that's a that's a um, that kind of calculus is you, you know it, it feels like it's just so far from. A biblical worldview in so many ways. And part of part of the reason why is because, you know, one of the things that you have uh, happening is, is that, you know, it, it's never right to kill someone. So you have, you know, basic moral intuition that Christian have, Christians have, which is that two wrongs don't make a right. And, and part of the whole lex talionis principle, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, life for life, like that you, you have a principle of retributive justice. And one one of the you know, morally justified reasons for killing someone is not because they're going to put you in a, be putting you in a bad financial situation, right? <laughs> it's so, uh, whatever's going on there, you know, you have a, a rejection of what justice is, right? So if someone raped me or, you know, it's going to be a, you know, poor financial situation, therefore I'm going to kill someone, you know, that doesn't fly in any other area of life and we all know it. Now, part of the reason why that gained some sort of traction is because, uh, you know, we've adopted the, the egalitarian notion essentially that um, everyone, you know, basically deserves the same standard of living, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. so if there are inequalities in the world, then those inequalities must be fixed so that everyone's equal. And one of the things that we know is that, you know, single motherhood is uh, a great prediction of poverty in general. And so if you want to know the, you know, the major, you Like the overwhelmingly the major uh, contributor to poverty, it's the presence of, you know, single parent households. Mm -hmm. And so you have a woman who's, you know, trying to be a career woman, live the American dream, go to college, go to school, do all this stuff so she can get a career, so she can make money and have stability, uh, you know, independently of some sort of man. And then she gets pregnant and and like that essentially has uh, is going to be a major roadblock to her financial success apart from a man in the future, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so in general, you know, it used to be that women, you know, got married and then the biblical ethic is you get married, then you have a baby. So you don't have sex before you get married because, you know, shock, you make, make get pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now what what's happened is, you know, post-sexual revolution, sex is considered a right, a basic right, and it can happen whenever you want it. But so you have the right to express your sexuality however you want, but then you we want desperately to remove all the consequences of that through abortion, birth control pills, and everything else. And so, but the problem is that you can't really fight God's design there. And so, essentially, um, you do have premarital sex. You're rolling the dice, and uh, you know a baby might be part of that calculus. And then, and you know what? Gasp! Um, like yeah obviously that if you go down, down that route, route the Bible would call you a fool right mm-hmm. and a sinner and the problem is that it's just like yeah that, that you're going to you know that you're going to sow what you reap right you're going to reap what you sow so like the, the issue then is that yeah that is going to be a predictor of poverty but then you shouldn't have done that if you didn't want to bear those consequences but then why does killing someone justify it you know um, it, um well it doesn't right
0: Mm -hmm. now what about the you kind of mentioned this already but um is the is the rape victim any different in your eyes so this isn't the person who went out and willingly you know consented to sex with uh uh, another person Uh, this is the person who didn't consent to sex do Do they have the same kind of moral standard applied to them, or is it different because they were raped?
1: Yeah, this is something we talked about last episode, and it just seems like that people don't have any category for um, – what what you have is you have just an oversimplification of what victimhood actually entails, right? And so we we live in a world that's clambering all over itself to try to identify people as victims. Mm -hmm. But then once you get that coveted victim label, you know, you essentially have all moral responsibility v- removed from you and mm-hmm. so it's it's like it's um really kind of a ridiculous way of viewing the world that you can you know once you get a victim label you're almost like uh sainted at that point right nothing you like i mean it's like you know you just imagine yourself living in alabama alabama right mm-hmm. and it's like when you get that victim label i mean you're essentially nick sabin you know <laughs> Okay.
0: <laughs> Everyone would love that. Everyone lo- would love to be Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, you maybe can maybe do not if you're an Auburn fan. No,
1: I guess while they're still winning, I yeah. guess while they're winning, you're you know you functionally you could do no wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And no one could conceive of you doing anything wrong at that point once you get that label, you know, because that mm-hmm. label just gives you an all-purpose, you know, yeah, you know, your royal excuse. Yeah, I, it's, but, I mean, it's just absurd. That's not the way the world works. So it's possible to be both. A victim and a villain at the same time, mm-hmm. and it's and and I mean, you know, any number of people. I mean, you just just imagine, you know, you're, you're you're a guy and you walk in on your wife having an affair or something like that, and then you pull pull out the gun, and you you shoot you shoot them both, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you a victim? Sure, right. <laughs> but I mean, we all know that that's not the appropriate response to being a victim. But the only problem, the problem is that that only works if you're a man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. <laughs> like, like the, the, all, all people are only able to make just normal moral calculations for people who, like, in those kind of situations where they're truly victimized when their males are the ones who are victimized. You know, when a female's victimized, it's like, it's an entirely different playbook and no one can understand. And so, I mean, and if you try to, you know put the um argument from the other side in the strongest terms, I mean, you know, the the argument is that, well, if you're raped by this guy, he's, you know, forcing you to have a baby that you did not consent to and everything revolves around consent and everything else. Um, but then now it's like, you know, you have this baby and this you're gonna be very victimized your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna be re victimized. And so like essentially, you know, every day you're be reminded of your rapist and by looking at the, you know, the fruit of your rapist and everything else. And I think it's just, um, you know, you know, I know I'm not allowed to speak to that kind of scenario because I'm not a woman and all that. But, uh, I guess if I, you know, went the transgender route and tried to self-identify, I still wouldn't be because I wouldn't be identifying as right unless I give the right answers, you know, uh, as far as that goes, it's, it's confusing, you know, it's confusing how this works, but, uh. Uh, but at least no, I you mean, could I,
0: still compete against them in sports, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. I, at least that would be allowed. But no, no. I mean, I think we, do, you know, part of the biblical ethic only makes sense if you have a biblical God that's going to help you to live biblically, right? Mm-hmm. And so you take all that out, it's just like, well, yeah, I can understand how an unbeliever might struggle with that for the rest of their life and being traumatized by that for the rest of their life, and and. You know, I, I understand how it could be that way, but then I also understand how God tells, you know, Hosea to go love a prostitute who keeps on cheating on him, and how God can, you know, put people in pretty hard situations, and and then you know not only help them to you know deal with it, but help them to excel at it, you know, and and if like there is a category of biblical love you know, that Jesus loved us when we're unlovable. And he gave himself up for us when we're unlovable, and God could give a mother, you know, supernatural love. Uh, and I don't even know that it's just abnormal. I mean, all women have some sort of love for their children, mm-hmm. you know? You um, know, and part of it's just, you know, another thing that's going into that is just a psychological view of man that, you know, man is basically just, you know, you, you can imagine, you know, all the the horror movies or whatever of the woman getting raped and she has a child and then, you know, she's raising little Chucky. Or, you know, <laughs> I know we're not allowed to... Uh, but, I mean, that's kind of the thing that's put... You know, that's the kind of thing that's just like, oh, man, well, he's, you know, he's got this uh, serial killer kind of gene in him, you know, and he's going to raise this little, you know... Jeffrey Dahmer, incarnate baby, you know, who's, you know, have to sleep with one eye open the whole rest of her life because <laughs> of all that. But I mean, that's just not the way the world works, you know, like, <laughs> that's not the way it works. Um, you know, she could love that kid, you know, and teach him, uh, you know, get, present Christ to him and, you know, take him to church and give him a different life. And mm-hmm. he doesn't maybe have to end up the way her you know, um, rapist ended up as far as that goes. And you know what? She doesn't have to be a victim of that the rest of her life. You know, God can heal her of that and comfort her with that. And 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 the only way that that's going to work is if she looks in the mirror and says, Hey, I'm a sinner too, you know, and I need God to forgive me of my sin. And I'm not just going to hold on to this victim identity my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just going to make that who I am. The rape victim, I'm going to have to say, Hey, you know what? Like, um, I'm a sinner. I need God's mercy this guy sinned against me, but Jesus looked at the people putting him on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive him, for they knew not what they did, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't know what they're doing, and and she could say the same thing if she had God in her, you know, but then when you live in a society, it doesn't have any kind of category for that kind of thing, and so it doesn't make sense, and so it's just like, yeah, well, that sounds, you know, horrible, so just kill the thing, right? Right. It's like, well, okay, yeah, uh, I get it, you know, pagan's going to pagan, Right.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's funny um you know the 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 people who are very much for abortion they claim to also be the people who are for defending women against their rapist, right? Right. They that's kind of something that they pride themselves on is that they care more about the women and they they claim that people who are pro-life are obviously much more about the the rapist. Um that's not that's not you know, word for word, what the claim is, but um, they they do really put themselves as the person, as the people championing um, the rights of the rape victim, which is funny because that's like the opposite of what's happening. And I remember, I, what I mean is, I remember watching an an interview, or I guess you maybe it was maybe more of a debate between Jeff Durbin and the guys at Apolo, Apologia Ministries. Uh, on their podcast with a young lady who had comment right. who had commented on I guess one of their videos that was talking about abortion and um, so they had her onto the show she wanted to come on and 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 uh, talk to them about these things and you know she mentioned that she herself was a rape victim and she told a little bit about what happened to her um, <clears throat> and and then I remember uh, you know jeff she was kind of floored when she asked what they thought should happen to her rape victim because first they had asked her and she she or said to a rapist or yeah to her to a rapist i mean and she, and first they had asked her what she thought should happen to her rapist and and it was pretty terrifying some of the things that she said it it was pretty much like you know what you would imagine probably happened in like some Japanese POW camps during World War Two, you know, capturing Americans and and Chinese soldiers and what probably happened to a lot of them, or or um, she was describing a lot of things that sounded like they came straight out of one of those camps should happen to their rape their uh her rapist, but then she asked uh, Jeff what he thought should have happened to her rapist, and you know his response was essentially. Hey, you know what? If if um, it was proven that he really did rape you, and and uh, you reported it to the police, who then took it to the court, and a judge heard it and ruled that uh, that he was guilty, he did rape you, then he should be put to death. He should die at the, by the government's hand, and and that would be justice for you, you know and and she was kind of surprised that he said that but then the reality is that is justice for the rape the rape victim now obviously it doesn't undo what's already happened right but then you at least have the um the you know uh i don't the comfort i, I don't know the right word but there there's some uh resolution there at least knowing hey this person's going to uh, die for their actions but then even beyond that if you even if that doesn't happen um, we if you're a christian you know hey uh, regardless of who gets away with what eventually one day we're all going to stand before god and god is a perfect judge who knows everything and um, and he will exact a perfect type of justice where people don't um, escape the consequences the consequences of their action, uh, if they're outside of Christ. Right. And, and so, uh, it's, you know, it's just funny to hear all of these people kind of have that as an argument, Hey, we, we're the ones defending, um, the, the rights well, of the victim.
1: Yeah. I think it's, you know, part of the discussion is what do you do with a victim in general? Uh, and that's, I mean, it's a very relevant, um, discussion in general and I, I mean I don't want to trivialize rape or, or something like that but uh, the bible talks about no temptations overtaking you but what's common to man like the problem is that you know every, everyone knows what it's like to be abused in some sense and you know i'm, I'm not trying to say that there should be no um, differentiation of punishments or something like that I, I agree with jeff and i what the bible says about you know if someone rapes someone they should be put to death and, and just like the other subject you know we can't apply that retroactively, we need to, you know, make it a law if we're going to reflect what the Bible says, and then, you know, going forward, everyone will hear in fear and never again do such wickedness now that they've been warned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, I, I, we don't, everyone's been victimized in some, to some degree, and, and, and it's symptomatic, what's happening is it's symptomatic of a society that doesn't really know how to handle that. I mean, I was watching a podcast, I think it was um, um, Rush, Rush Limbaugh went on some uh, podcast with, uh, you know, some brothers. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't remember what the podcast was. It was not the kind of podcast I would normally listen to, but he went on there with with some black dudes, and um, they were, you know, basically trying to have a discussion with their political enemy or whatever. But uh, I think it was related to all the riots that were happening and trying to find some kind of common ground, and he had, you know... He had basically brought up at some point, you know, like, hey, you know, sometimes people, like, you know, just say things. And don't you think that we need to just learn to get over, like, get over it when people are rude, you know? And and one of the guys on there, and I, I wish I could remember what he said exactly. But, um, you know, he's like, well, if someone says something, you know, racist, you know, they should be made to punish. They should be punished for that, you know? In Russia, was like, well, what, what do you mean punish, you know? And, and essentially, like, the guy was like, well, if they say something mean, you know, he, they need to be made to stop, you know? It's like, well, what if they don't stop? It's like, well, you need to call the police, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and throw them in jail.
0: <laughs> then I'm telling <laughs> and, on you.
1: <laughs> and and I mean, I think he even said, like, you know, if they won't stop, you should punch them, you know? And get <laughs> it's just like, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Like, uh, like, <laughs> You know, like, this This is where, like, you're living in the kind of society where, like, they, once you, like, you attach this victim label on something and someone, like, if someone says something you don't like, you're going to, you're morally justified in punching them? Really? You know? <laughs> Assaulting them and getting them thrown in jail and, and, you know, shutting them up. And it's like, I think we're, um, like, you think about that related to the topic at hand. It's like, we really don't understand forgiveness and we really don't understand mm-hmm. you know, how to deal with you know junk in life you know and how to handle, uh, handle like um, being victimized yeah and trials and difficulties and, and, and part of it's just like the psychological literature at this point it's just messing everyone up but I mean it's just like hey you don't have to just put this victim label on yourself and like be a victim your whole entire life and then just, just cope you know but they, like the, the abortion people, they think they're helping women, but they're turning them into professional victims who just are shackled to mm-hmm. like this offense, and there's no hope for them Like for the rest of their life. They're just shackled to this thing that they're unable to move on. And it's like if they try to move on and say, hey, you know, if the woman comes along and says, yeah, hey, you know what it happened? I forgave him, and moved on. It's like, well, you're in denial, you know? <laughs> it's like <laughs> – Like you know, like you're you know, this is just uh, symptoms of how uh, victimized you actually are because you could just you know turn the other cheek and move on and everything else and you know that's not right and you just I mean just essentially the only hope for them is just to be shackled to their you know uh, uh, to the offense for the rest of their life and Mm -hmm. permanently victimized and that's not that's not helping anyone that's just turning them into you know uh, a bitter uh, angry unforgiving person, the kind of person who's going to spend eternity in hell, right? Mm-hmm. So.
0: Okay. Well, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, what about babies who are being born into poverty, babies who are being born out of, you know, um, uh, instance of rape. What about babies who are facing, some form of uh, deformity or severe health issue um, you know when they're in the womb obviously we have we've advanced pretty significantly and we can detect a lot of these things um, before they ever they're they're actually born um, so we kind of know ahead of time what they might be facing and what kind of treatments they might need and everything but then uh, for a lot of people this can be a Reason to actually kill the baby before it ever has to deal with any of those things. So, so what do you think about that? Do you think that that is a morally um, acceptable reason uh, to kill the baby before it, it's born?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously not. I mean, it's just <laughs> another product of uh, you know living in an egalitarian society where there's some sort of expectation that everyone has to be the same. You know, and, and one of the things that we you know, or con i mean, we—we're we, constantly—you know—everyone's equally beautiful and everyone's smart, you know, and everyone's, you know, equally special and wonderful and everything else. And, and and you know, everyone has to have the same kind of stuff. And you know, if you grow up in poverty, then like my goodness, I mean, you like poverty, even for American standards, like everyone's money must be taken and given and balance everything out, you know. And so, if you have a kid who's going to be born with a disability, then well, you know. Who wants to do that? So just, you know, kill the thing and get it over with or whatever. But, I mean, my goodness, that like guy. Our first child, um, you know, had a rough exit, a cord wrapped around his neck, and, you know, the numbers that were given were really, really low. And the mm-hmm. doctor came in shortly after that. I mean, he was flown uh, by helicopter to a different hospital that was going to be able to put him on a cooling bed to limit the possible brain damage that he could have, and we were told by the doctor that he, you know, there's a significant chance that he either is going to die or have significant brain damage. And, you know what, we didn't really think, well, you might as well just kill him, you know? mm mm-hmm. not I mean, I remember looking, you know, saying to God, hey, Lord, we we wouldn't request this providence from you, something along those lines. And, you know, I I wasn't, I don't desire that my son, you know, have brain damage, uh, but if that's your will help us to accept it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, that's what we prayed. I mean, Hey, you know, know. Uh, nevertheless, not my will, but thine, you know? Mm-hmm. I, and, and so, I mean, that's not what I wanted for him, but if that's what was going to happen, that's what's going to happen. And, you know, we'll take it as it comes, you know, but that's, uh, I mean, God spared us from that as far as that goes. And I do consider that he spared us from that kind of outcome. No one wants their child to have brain damage. Right. But at the same time, I mean, you like you don't, like, if he did, we'd still love him and we'd still take care of him. You know, mm. and he had a different future looking forward and you know, we would have a different future. But I mean, like, that's like, God doesn't give everyone the same situation. He, didn't, he wouldn't have been unjust to give us that scenario. And if he did, then he did, you know. And we would accept it from his hand, but that, you know, that's just um, that's a pagan view of humanity where you know the child's born with the cleft palate and you throw him out to the wild animals. Or, you know, like that's just like you're like you've taken vanity and you've elevated it. Like that's just the vanity of man on display. And so there's no morally justifiable reason to kill a child just because he's going to have a disability. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, let's not pretend like it's not a disability, right? Mm-hmm. Like it right. is a dis- Like, Let's not pretend like it's like oh he's normal and it's just society that's abnormal. It's like no, he's abnormal. Okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> like let's not play some stupid game like that, you know. Um, but like okay, you know, it is what it is. God's God's made all sorts of people, and he and you know part of that is to remind us of the consequences of the fall. -hmm. And part of that is to make us more like it, like Him, and so God will use a variety of things to make it to help His people become more like Him, and that's one of those things, and you can't resist it, and just become a murderer just because you don't like the providence that's come your way.
0: Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. What about what about when the life of the mother is being threatened? So, oh man, some kind of scenario (laughs) where. The baby is, Ugh. you know, due to be born, but then it it's not looking like the mother will make it through it if she's uh, once once it's time to actually deliver the baby. What or you know, I'm I'm not a doctor, so I'm sure there's other you know scenarios that could happen before then too that could threaten the life of the mother. So anything like that, what what is abortion? It's amazing. Yeah,
1: uh, it's, ama- it's Go ahead.
0: Is abortion a viable? option at that point at that point, you know, because yeah, obviously people are gonna bring that up.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean I, I uh you know, I had a sister in law who had a C section on her first baby and, you know, she had another C section on her second baby. And I think from kid three to five, she was told, you know, it's like very dangerous to keep on having babies with C sections, you know, because she have complications and possibly die and all this kind of stuff. And she had up to five five c-sections in a row and it was amazing how none of those predictions panned out you know and i I just you know i've heard and i've heard that kind of stuff over and over and over and over and over over again and and it's just like it seems like it's remarkable how often that kind of thing happens and how many stories there are of the woman who just says hey i'm not gonna kill my baby and and then it ends up that you know what she's um everyone survives and is healthy you know right and so um, it seems like I've heard way more of those kind of stories than the stories of, like, the opposite, where the woman wants to go ahead and do it. And then, you know, she ends up dying and the baby dies. And and yet, like, you're living in a society that wants to, that story more than the other one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we, It's kind of like with all the COVID stuff, like, you know, you're living in a society right now that wants to hear someone died of COVID who Mm -hmm. wasn't vaccinated or something like
0: that. Yeah, so they can be proved right.
1: Right, but then it's just like, hey, I don't hear any of, like, despite the fact that there's, like, like such a high demand for that story, particularly with some sort of conservative politician or something like that. All I hear of is, like, the multitude of the got the got the vaccine and, you know had adverse effects from Mm -hmm. it kind of stories. But the same thing is true on this. It's just like everyone wants to hear that story of the Christian person who's like, oh, you know, have the baby, even though it might be. But it's just like I don't hear any of it. I don't hear as many of those, you know. And maybe it's because everyone just kills it, but I don't think so, you know. So I I think it's a pretty rare scenario. Um, You know, I think if you were to put it in the best possible scenario, I mean, you could try to maybe say that, um, you know, if you're not dealing with some sort of – Hey, increased probability of death, but you're you know, almost like some sort of mathematical certainty of death kind of scenario. Um, you know, what do you do if the baby is, you know, functionally holding the gun to the mother's head and says, you know, "My life for yours," kind of thing?
0: Mm-hmm. What do you?
1: And I would say I don't know that that's a scenario, and if uh, I think the ethicists that I've heard who basically say, hey, well, maybe it's permissible in those kind of rare circumstances, in which they're very rare, you know, kind of circumstances. They're not common by any means. Right. Uh, Might carve out an allowance for that. But, um, you know, I probably need to review the science a little better And um, as far as that goes. But I would just speak anecdotally and say I would be very cautious of ever, you know, going there with it. And I do have a category for, you know, greater love as, uh, you know, no man than to lay down his life for his friends. And like I do know that, you know, the normal kind of mother has a, a kind of, uh, a normal mother has a she bear kind of love for her mm-hmm. cubs, you know, and isn't going to want to go down that route. Um, and and if she does, you know, will probably be morally stained in the process. So, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what anyone says, you know, I don't know. I, like you have to deal with the fallout of that, and you know, I, I probably wouldn't want most people to have to deal with the fallout of that, you know. Period. Right? But uh, you know, it's a rare scenario, and I don't know that, uh, um, I don't know that the doctors are all that trustworthy all the time with all of their dire predictions related to this. It seems like they have some sort of incentive <laughs> to mm-hmm. uh, reduce. I mean, it seems like they're making a lot of predictions. I I, I mean, I, you know, I can just tell you with my own wife, I mean, we were constantly warned, oh, it's dangerous to have more kids. I mean, they're discouraging us. We had five. I mean, it's like discouraging us the whole entire time. And it's unsafe, And you know, it's just like, I don't think it's really all that unsafe, you know, like we, she's alive. They're all fine. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the problem? Like, uh, I can confirm
0: she is still alive. (laughs) She's
1: still alive. It's like, oh no. You know, So, I mean, I don't know that I, uh, I I don't know that in some simplistic way you could just trust a doctor in that way. Um, uh, You know, but I'm I'm aware that, you know, there are scenarios that can happen where um, that are more than just the general fear-mongering kind of scenarios. Mm -hmm. I would say those are um, those are difficult. I'm not really persuaded myself by the, you know, hey, just kill him kind of thing. I, I will frankly admit that I've not been in that scenario myself. Okay. And my wife haven't either. But I'm not really, at the moment, persuaded that that's uh, probably the godliest uh, option, you know. Unless it's just like, hey, you know, um, yeah, both of you are going to die or we can save you by, you know, killing a child. What do you want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point, you know, it, you know, there might be some kind of moral calculation to say that this baby has become a literal murderer at that point if you could nail it down with any kind of psych, uh, you know, medical, uh, like what are what show me the numbers and statistics, but I, I don't know. That seems dubious at best. Um, I wouldn't say I, I would say that that's you know, it's in the category of morally dubious at, at uh, best, mm-hmm. uh, probably wrong, <laughs> you know, so, yeah.
0: So we've, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, abortion, obviously it, it seems like the conclusion we're coming to is it's essentially never okay to murder your baby. Uh, right. Even, even when they're still in the womb, it's not okay to murder your baby. Um, and, and even with the, the life of the mother, being threatened. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, you can, you can, you know, that run that scenario out of. I mean, I've heard the story of, uh, you know, hey, you have the twins, and if you kill one of them, like they're in complications, you know, the other one won't survive. And, you know, then I've, you know, I've heard that scenario, and then they kill the wrong twin, you know? Mm
0: hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so. so.
1: But God, miracles can happen. We believe in it. You know, you, you, there is some sort of trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding. Right. And, And, you know, I think um, there is a a danger of playing God in these scenarios. It's very real, you know, and taking prerogative of, you know, life and death is in his power, not in ours, and that should be our basic stance.
0: Mm -hmm. So so we've essentially, you know, we've established that this is a wrong thing to do. Um, This is an evil thing to do, to take the life of an unborn child, um, basically refusing to accept the fact that this – this child is actually human just like us and has the same right to life that each of us has. Um, and, and abortion's not a new thing either. I mean, you can read, uh, uh, this has been around for really, I, I mean, I would assume honestly, um, just about as long as, as people have been around, maybe not quite as long because we can read, um, you know the creation story and and know that it didn't necessarily happen in that story um but all throughout the bible you see um, the murdering of children the sacrificing of children and it's kind of like a something that's paired up a lot with um pagan ri- pagan rituals and um uh this is, all I say all that basically to say this is not a new topic abortion Abortion was not invented, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, right? It, it's been around a lot longer than that. But it seems like recently it's obviously in our society become a lot a lot more popular overall, um, even to the point that people are arguing that uh, every woman should have the right uh, to an abortion. And, and part of their push for this is to say, hey, you know, We, you need to be, if you want to be on the right side of history, right? You need to, um, you need to be for the legalization of abortions and trying to get, uh, as many women as possible access to, you know, legal abortions, to legal murdering of their children. But that's a pretty strange statement to make, really, if you think about it. If you think about the fact that abortion is not a new thing. It ha- It wasn't invented 60 years ago. It, seemed, it seems weird to say that, you know, if you want to be on the right side of history, you need to be for abortion. It doesn't really seem like it makes a lot of sense considering abortion would have been, um, you know, at best looked down upon and, and you would have been shunned if people found out that you aborted your unborn child, um, you know, centuries ago so why why exactly are people pushing that kind of narrative that you you should be on the right if you want to be on the right side of history you need to be for the legalization of abortion if it's been around for so long and for so long been viewed as such a, a you know a terrible and a shameful thing to do
1: yeah i mean i think um the whole right side of history narrative is just um It's kind of based on the idea that secularism, like you know, with combination with scientism and and that kind of stuff. That I mean, essentially, we're progressing as a species, and so it's it's obvious that you can demonstrably you can look around the world and you can see that hey, things are getting better, right? Like in terms of uh, technology and science and everything else, and so we know more than what we know know in the past, and, and and but I mean, you can draw some inappropriate conclusions from that so we think hey things are getting better therefore we know more now well the problem is that like what you see around you is a product of pooled knowledge so we're standing on the shoulders of giants but i mean you can just look at like a test you know high school exams from the <laughs> 1800s or whatever else and see that like the kids back then knew way more than the kids today you know do i mean i think i mean it used to be that in order to get like a phd you had to um uh, you know, argue your dissertation in Latin, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I think you know the the. I think men used to be much more intelligent than they are today. It's just that we have access to so much more information now, and we're in in, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants and pulled no- the benefits of pulled knowledge and everything else. But it's not demonstrable that we're getting better ethically. Uh, but then that's part of um, part of what's happening is that there's a lie that you know we we were. Founded in a Christian as a Christian nation, making explicit you know reference to the Christian God, uh, but then like the thing is, as we've just kind of chucked certain aspects of that morality, we think we're advancing. So we think secularism is better than the biblical ethic in a lot of ways, and so we're advancing. And so you know, you women now have um, been given rights you know to be career women and you know right to vote and. All, all sorts of things like that, and you know, I could get myself in all sorts of trouble related to that kind of topic. We think these are all improvements, but it's not, you know, demonstrably true that these are improvements across the board in some sort of simplistic way. And so, like, we think, well, you know, first we dealt with the race with the slavery issue, and I think that that was a that was a good thing that we did. The women's rights issue was attached to that, and then you have, uh, you know, sexual deviant. Uh, Revolution that's happening, um, and so I think we we think we're getting better and better and better, uh, but then it's um, what we're actually doing. I think, and in, in, in particularly as it relates to morality, is getting more secular and more pagan mm-hmm. in right, that thought process. And 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 the problem with the whole right side of history argument in general is that you know, like it's <laughs> these things kind of run in cycles in general. So you know I'm sure that um, in the Third Reich, all the Nazis thought they they could have made the same arguments. you want to be on the right side of history? We'll embrace the final solution, right? Well, mm-hmm. we realize because of science, because of Darwin, that there's uh, tears to races, you know? Uh, and, and um, you know, this is survival of the fittest. Uh, and, you know, we're the most technologically advanced nation in the world. And, you know, we need to subjugate these subhuman species that uh, put them under our feet finally – uh, for the betterment of mankind, if you want to be on the right side of history, then embrace our agenda, right? Well, the problem is that, you know, history, um, we don't ever know the end arc of history, you know, in the moment, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you want to be on the real right side of history, I mean, the point is that uh, the only way to, you know, know which arc you're actually on, you know, are you regressing as a society (laughs) or are you improving it is to understand what biblical morality actually is is the point, right? Mm -hmm. Because these things can come and go, yeah. So, so I mean, we look back on the, we look back on the final solution and think that was reprehensible. We're going to look back on the abortion stuff and think that's reprehensible too.
0: Hopefully, anyways.
1: (laughs) Well, we will at some point.
0: uh, Or at least some other, some other, Country, you know, centuries from yeah. now, we'll look back at what we did and we, and wonder how we humankind,
1: ever. humankind, mankind, will yeah. look back on this yeah. uh, at at some point, you know, unless God just returns tomorrow or something like that. But then, humankind will look at it and right you know, and wonder abortion, how we
0: even got here,
1: <laughs> got so far down the wrong side of history. Yeah, you know, but you, the, the problem is, you have to have an interpreter of history that is objective and fixed, and that's what the Bible actually is: is mm-hmm. an interpreter of. History, because these things come and go, you know, mm-hmm. and and I think there's a lot of things that we think are, we're liberated from, which we're actually just uh, we've liberated ourselves from a uh, of a Christian ethic, and and there will be consequences to it, and we'll look back and you know, sin never pays, you know, it, it'll right. always bear a bitter fruit, and we'll see it.
0: Um. So a lot of people also argue that if you ban legal abortions, you're basically what you're doing is you're forcing women to have to go and and get what they would call unsafe abortions now obviously this is an oxymoron you know calling some an abortion unsafe because the end result is even even in a quote-unquote safe abortion the end result is the death of a human being so i don't really know how safe that can be when a person always dies if the abortion right. goes successfully. But their argument is that uh, you'll force women to have to get unsafe abortions. And a lot of times, what they mean is, you know, you have the essentially they have to uh, perform the abortion themselves. And obviously, they're not trained professionals, they don't have medical access to medical equipment you know that you would need to see inside of them inside of their womb and everything and so there's a lot of harm that can be done to the women who are fixed on getting an abortion even if it's illegal so what what do you think the christian response should be to this type of argument that if you ban legal if you ban legal abortions in our country then you are condemning women to have to get unsafe "Quote unquote abortions."
1: Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah the absurdity of that. I, I mean, it's just uh, there's so many euphemisms that are being used. You know, <laughs> they don't have access to medical equipment. You mean those, uh, <laughs> forceps and uh, yeah. you know, scalpels and you know the that, chemicals uh, using, that burn. Yeah, the, that are. Yeah, I mean now they're gonna have to use you know a primitive coat hanger or something like that, and in, in order to you know stab their baby to death in the womb, you know. And the problem is that like a woman who's actually doing that, like that kind of woman is, you know, she's worse than Hitler. Like, I mean, the kind of woman who is taking a coat hanger and doing that kind of thing, and it's really, I mean, like there is no difference between that kind of person and a person who's gonna stab someone with a knife. Like they know. Um, you're not taking a coat hanger to a clump of cells. Come on, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, you know, like, you know what you're doing at that point. Like they, There's moral awareness to what you're doing. You, you, like what, there's no need to take a coat hanger to a clump of cells, Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like you, like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just more of the same. I mean, I, 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 uh, uh like, um, you know, I'm not, uh, emotionally interested in making, you know, murder painless on the murderer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have a vested moral interest in trying to help, um, help a person. I mean, um, you know, not, I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, I don't want to be that person who is, you know, inventing the, um, uh, you know, um, the some sort of like gloves or something that she, that a person can put on and uh, punch a person to death without hurting their hands you know <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's like come on like you know i like I, it's that kind of moral calculation there where it's just like hey you know don't you want like don't you care about women don't you want to make everything about that pain free and everything it's like no i don't you know I, I care about the one that they're stabbing to death more than i care about the one mm-hmm. doing the stabbing mm mm-hmm. mhm and so if she gets hurt in the process, then you know what? Like that saves us some time and a rope, you know?
0: Some tax so, dollars, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, well, thank you. You know, you, you've you done our job for us, for us. You know, if you're going to do that, then yeah, um, yes, I'm much more concerned about your victim than I am you mm-hmm. at the moment.
0: Um, so two final questions for you before we wrap this up. The first one being, um, you know, I I myself the more I've learned about um, you know abortion, the more I the more I've kind of immersed myself in this debate that's going on in our country on this topic, and I've also I've you know I've had a child of my own in the you know in the last year or so basically, and and that's really kind of changed my my perspective not not that i wasn't you know against abortion before but i guess just kind of more in terms of um just how much so i am against it uh what i've found recently the more i've i've immersed myself in this topic and and the more i look at my own daughter you know and and can't even bear to imagine anything ever happening to her um but then knowing that there's over 60 million um, babies that are that are just like her that you know they didn't get uh, a chan- the same chance at life that my baby got. and not not because of you know God's providence, but because of the sin of man, you know they' they're having their lives robbed from them. Um, and what I've found basically is that more and more this topic really, really provokes a certain kind of anger inside of me in some ways. And and I, I wanted to ask you, um, what when it comes to this kind of topic, do you think that there is any room um, for the Christian to say, hey, this makes me angry that this is happening? It makes me angry that we have to have this conversation at all? Or is that probably like, hey, we're we're taking it too far. We need to be the type who are loving and patient and gentle and kind. What what is your perspective on that, based off what Scripture says?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's two com- competing realities: one that wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness that God requires, um, kind of thing, and then you have Jesus, you know, overturning the, the temples, uh, tables in the temple, kind of scenario and the opposite. And, and so, I, I don't know that anger is. Um, There's some sort of simplistic um, understanding of anger in the Bible. I'd say that most of the time, probably 99% of the time, our anger is sinful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and even righteous anger can be sinful anger, too. So Mm -hmm. I don't don't know that there's um, um, – it's it's very hard for sinful human beings to pull it off well. (laughs) But if there's – uh, but I would say that if there's anything that should make a Christian angry and they should feel safe about, for the most part, is th- this kind of subject in general. Um, and so, uh, generally, you distinguish righteous anger from sinful anger in 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 the like in the way of uh, this. I mean, like uh, righteous anger generally is devoted towards God's priorities and God's. Um, you know, values and, and, um, God's glory and, uh, as God word and focused. And so if you think about the way the Lord's prayer work, it's, you know, Thy kingdom come, I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Typically sinful anger is about, you know, my kingdom come, my will be done on, you know, in heaven as it is right now, as I've done it on earth. And so it's kind of a flipping of that. And, and so, you know, often I would say our anger is self-focused, me focused, uh, not God's focused or others focused, but then mm-hmm. I think with something like abortion, it's easier for it to be, you know, more focused on God's uh, purpose. You know, like how long the Lord will you allow this kind of gross iniquity right? kind of thing. And it's um, um, focused on other people, it, it, not so much like how it affects you personally. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's a little bit safer, but even that can have a self-righteous kind of uh, – Thing to it, you know. Thank God mm-hmm. I'm not like these other, you know, pagans over here who, you know, rip their children open in their mother's womb. You have to kind of check that too. To where is it? Is it, um, Like you know, we live in a society right now that it has like a fine moral, you know, scrupulous moral calculus as it relates to, you know, the sins of all these people we're canceling who are, have been dead for over 100 years, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we we're the kind of people who can look back at the sins of people, 150, you know, 200 years ago, and 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 get ourselves all worked up and the self righteous moral condemnation. And we're the kind of people who can do that, and yet at the same time be totally blind to the kind of sins that we're committed right now. Right. You know, uh, that are just obvious and right there in our face. Um, you know, we all we all like to think that we'd kind of be. You know, the German in the uh, Third Reich who is pushing against the system and everything else, but most of us wouldn't because we're going along with it just right, you know, just like it is right now and unwilling to risk anything in order to, you know, keep our heads down and everything else. And so I say that there's that danger of it just being like you don't want to be the kind of person who's just obsessed with the sins that you never commit, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but at the same time, so but that at the same time, you know, um, there's a wrong response to that kind of thing. That's basically like, well, you know what? I'm a sinner, so therefore, just you know, who am I to judge if they want to rip up babies in the mother's womb? You know, and that kind of thing isn't right either. So, right? I do think, I do think, you know, the fact that we don't feel angry about it is probably an indictment on us. Because mm-hmm. we just don't care, we're mm-hmm. callous about it.
0: Yeah,
1: we prefer to not think about it.
0: So the final question for you before we wrap this up. um, We spent probably two and a half, maybe close to almost three hours now between two episodes talking about uh, abortion, why it's wrong, what the consequences should be according uh, to Scripture for the people who are committing it. I wanted to just ask you if you could take a minute to explain maybe maybe some people are hearing this and they're the person who they they've gone through with um with abortion they've they've killed their unborn baby or maybe they're the person who's performed the abortion they were the one taking the taking the lives of of many unborn children um and they feel immense guilt about it right maybe maybe their conscience isn't so seared that it doesn't sit right with them. What they've done is th- and, and they're hearing us and they're saying, hey, these these types of people need to be put to death for what they've done. Uh, according to what God said, they deserve death. Um, is there any uh, good news for this person? Is there any type of forgiveness that that can be offered to the person who's decided to get an abortion? Or has performed abortions, or has pressured people, uh, other people, to get abortions. Is there any kind of forgiveness that can be given um, to these people?
1: Sure. I mean, I I think um, there's there's an offer of the gospel is available to all people, and it's available to murderers too. So David um, killed Uriah and committed adultery and murder. All you know in Course of you know a very short period of time, and mm-hmm. God forgave him of that, And there's obviously consequences that happened. Um, that his kingdom was torn from him, and uh, those consequences were very severe. But God forgave him, and and God can forgive an, a person who commits murder, and God can, can forgive the abortionist or the murder, you know, the murder doctor or the or the, you know, the woman or the man who's pressuring the woman or you know, uh, demanding that it happens or. Whatever else, I mean, God can forgive everyone if they ask, but then the problem is that, you know, God won't forgive anyone unless they ask. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you're living in a society right now that's basically telling that kind of person, you know, it's not your fault, you didn't do anything wrong, it's a woman's health care issue, you know, wrapping the thing in euphemisms um, to not. Dampen the moral responsibility for it, and and the problem is that kind of person who's listening to this, they may get mad, but then there's part of them that the moral law of God's written on their heart, and they know that they're guilty. And I would say that the more that they try to silence that voice in there, that conscience, like um, they're not going to win. You know, maybe, maybe maybe you know, uh, it's exceedingly hard just to. Totally drown out that conscience, and it's going to nag you, and it's going to nag you, and it's going to nag you, and and you can, you, you know, if you want to spend the whole rest of your life saying, "Hey, it wasn't your fault; you're a victim," you can do that, but you're going to have to live with that. And I, I would say it probably won't work. And if it does, then you're in a really bad state, you know. If somehow you finally get it to silence, but then the the, the freedom of the gospel is that you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven of that and worst if you humble yourself. Take responsibility for your actions. Quit blaming everyone else around you, and just own up to what you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, God can forgive you, and you know that doesn't mean that there won't be any consequences of uh, of your actions. And God only knows what those consequences are. But you, you know, you could spend your life uh, repenting and um, and see all the good that God could bring out of the evil if you would just um, turn to Him in faith and repentance, trust in what Jesus did. That, yeah. that's not the message the world's trying to do the world's trying to sh- shackle people as slaves to that choice um, and ultimately is you know, gonna leading them to a miserable life and and a far more miserable life in the future
0: yeah well I think that's a good place um, for us to end so uh This has been another episode of Bible Bash. We hope that you've been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.